Our standard isn't the world. Let me say this to some of you younger people that think you've got to have every gadget that, that comes. If it comes out this morning, you've got to have it this afternoon. Some kind of gadget, some kind of thing. Our standard isn't them. Our standard is Him. Are you with me? pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust as always that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the other as we fellowship together here for the next several moments. We're continuing on with a series that we began several weeks ago. I believe it is very important and it is very timely. And let me introduce this particular segment of the teaching by saying this, when the leaders of a nation are ungodly, and I want to suggest to you that the majority of the leadership in our country today, they are ungodly. And all I mean by that is they do not ascribe to the tenets of the Bible, the Word of God. They're not committed to the Word of God. And when it, that is the case, then that means that those who are following after Christ have to be even more determined to live more of a radical lifestyle, we can't be a part of the status quo. If they're ungodly, we can't follow along with them. That makes perfectly good sense, doesn't it? I trust that it's making sense to you. And that's why I'm here is to encourage you to embrace the Word of God, the Bible, regardless of what is going on around us, to embrace the Word of God so that we might live a lifestyle that is pleasing to God. I hope to ask and answer a lot of the why questions as we go through this particular teaching. Our text passage is first, uh, first Kings, actually, chapter 17, and we'll be looking at some of that, perhaps. But I want to take you to another marginal passage that we're going to be looking at, and it's found in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Let me jump right on into that, and we'll get on with the teaching without further delay. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, and the wor Word of God Put it this way, but we are citizens of heaven. We, and I trust that is your testimony, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. Again, I trust that that is your testimony, that you are a citizen of heaven and you are waiting on Jesus Christ to return and to take you out of this present existence into His presence. What a glorious thought. Father, I pray for each and every one that's turned on this telecast, whether they turned us on by accident, just stumbled across this, or they've purposed to listen. I pray that by Your Word, You would strengthen our hearts, and we'll be careful to thank You and praise You for what You do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you follow along in your Bible. We'll try to keep it up on the screen and the study notes on the screen, but we encourage you to follow along and, uh, and be encouraged and be challenged as you listen to this timely teaching. God bless. America's article. 
articles of incorporation while the Constitution can be seen as America's bylaws. Just as with a business, the bylaws may never legally contradict the articles of incorporation. Now, I'm jumping paragraphs here. You wouldn't know if I didn't tell you. But listen to this. And I'm still quoting Mr. Gibbs. Many critics of Christianity's influence in America, critics of Christianity's influence in America, know that the Constitution, the, the latter of the two documents, does not mention God or the Bible. The truth is that it did not need to because the Declaration of Independence, the former of the two documents, had already declared 12 years earlier that its basic, principle, basic principles of freedom, justice, and dependence on God came from the Bible. That had already been determined, and they agreed on this. The Constitution merely added to the foundational document the rules by which its founding principles would be put into practice. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but you're going to know it in just a few seconds. We nearly lost this nation before we even got rolling. Did you know that? They started fussing and bickering and carrying on. I'm going to tell you why they started fussing and bickering and carrying on. What happened? There was a great impasse that prevailed during the first Constitutional Convention. This has been back in 1787. Very, just a handful of you here this morning remember that. But on June the 28th, 1787, as a matter of record, a deist by the name of Dr. Benjamin Franklin stood amidst this impasse and all this bickering and all this fussing. He stood and he spoke. Would you like to know what he said? Here's what he said, and I quote, probably never heard this in history class. I doubt very seriously you've ever heard it preached from a pulpit, but it is a bona fide fact. And here's what he said in the midst of all of that. By the way, he was very revered among his constituents. Quote, I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs this old theist, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? Oh, what wisdom! We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings, he's talking about the word of God, that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it, Psalm 127. That's how I know he's talking about the scriptures. He says, I firmly believe this, and I also believe that without his concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building, not better than the builders of Babel. We shall be divided by our little partial local interest. He says, I therefore beg leave to move that henceforth prayers imploring the assistance of heaven and its blessing on our deliberation be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business. You understand what's going on there? 
You understand why they started fussing and bickering? Because they stopped praying. I just had a lightning bolt run through my spirit. Did you catch that, church? Why did they start fussing and bickering? Because they stopped praying. And he recognized that. And he called them back to a time of prayer that it be held in this assembly every morning before we proceed to business and that one or more of the clergy of this city be requested to officiate in that service. I I must tell you, it didn't play out exactly that way, but it played out pretty close to that. And thus, not only was this nation that we know as America, not only was the nation saved, but it was established on those principles and on that foundation. That is the truth if I ever told it. Now, I'm headed over to numero six on your study notes. At some point, don't ask me when, some movement I'm not exactly sure who it was. If I did, I'd rat them out. But at some point, some movement decided that it was a good idea to separate the church from the state, failing to recognize the state as the subservient role. Rather, for all intents and purposes, they made the church the subservient one. I'm out, well, I'm not, I don't know if I'm out in left field or not. The Holy Spirit just told me I was, so I'll get back over here in right field, center field. Ask me later, I'd be glad to tell you about my little problem. (laughs) They purpose to make the church the subservient one. I ask you, New Life Community Church, and there's a pretty good smattering of the community here this morning. I see some smart people, and I see some other people. Uh, (laughs) How, how did that turn out for them? That whole church subservient role thing. How did that turn out for them? Look at your neighbor and say, not too good. Oh, not too good. Mr. Kahn says this, and I'll agree with him. Biblical faith is no longer the culture that the United States of America, it's no longer the culture's reigning principle. Western civilization, he says, has moved to the Ahab stage, end quote. So I took you there to ask you this, and this is important for me that you hear this, that you know this. What does all of this mean for God's people? For people today that say, yes, I'm born again. I'm spirit-filled. I'm representing Jesus Christ and the Word of God to my community, my little web of influence. What does this mean for God's people? Let me try to explain it to you like this. Stick with me or you might get lost. I want to try to clarify this this way. Back uh, on October the 27th, 1957, I was born to James and Ann. Actually, Ann did more of the birth thing, but James had a hand in it. That would certify me as a bona fide, genuine citizen of the United States of America. I'm an American, okay? On Tuesday, some 15 years later, Tuesday, May the 8th, 
1973, at approximately 9 o'clock in the evening, I became a born-again member of the forever family of God. I shall never forget it. Walking down the aisle and kneeling at that altar, I went down a center, but I come up a winner. Say amen right there. That's what I'm talking about. Now listen, I like the Apostle Paul, and I'm not telling you that I'm Paul, but I like the Apostle Paul. My physical birth presented to, presented to me some pretty phenomenal rights. If you think we don't have some phenomenal rights even now as American citizens, then just go to a third world country or some communist country for a few minutes. You'll find out we have some phenomenal rights. But those rights pale in comparison to the rights that I have and that you have as a child of the king, as a child of God. Hallelujah. Suffice it to say, fill in number seven with me, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. If heaven's not my home, oh Lord, what will I do? Paul wrote this to the church at Philippi. You can find it in chapter 3, verse 17. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. It wasn't their words that betrayed them. It was their conduct. Verse 19. They are headed for, come on, they're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. And it's not just talking about your stomach and food, but their appetites, period. Their God is their appetite or appetites. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Let me see your eyeballs just a sec. What have you been thinking about this week? Just this life here on earth? Pastor Terry, you know what I have to do? I do know what you have to do because on occasion you tell me what you have to do. That's what people do to the pastor. They tell them what they have to do. But in the midst of all that, by the way, you want to hear what I had to do? <laughs> Probably not. But I'll listen to you. In the midst of all of that, Paul says they think only about this life here on earth. How many of you know that if you live long enough, you're going to die? And this life is short compared to where you're going to spend eternity. It's one of two places. This life is oh so short. And the key to this life is not being happy and not being wealthy. And there's nothing wrong with being happy and wealthy. In fact, a lot of people think if you're wealthy, it'll make you happy. But the key is not being happy and wealthy. The key is being holy. Holy. You won't be happy without holy. Oh, Pastor, you don't know what I did last night. <laughs> That's the ones looking back at me cross-eyed right now. I know, I know the game. Been there, done that. Hmm? I hate it when you preach on real stuff. Look at verse 20. Paul says, but we are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven. Church, is that just a figure of speech? Is that for real? We are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. Where's Jesus? Apparently he lives in heaven. 
And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Now, and I'm sorry for the little distraction there. Listen. Being a citizen of there, when you presently stand here, here, is a bit of a quandary, isn't it? It is. Especially with regards to America. Because comparatively, every last one of us live like royalty. Now, royalty has its perks. It also has its pitfalls. And sometimes the perks bring tremendous pitfalls. Royalty has its treasures, but along with those treasures come traps. I'm trying to help somebody this morning. The particular difficulty in this quandary, watch this, I'm giving you some how-to. The particular difficulty is in living out the separated life. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Our citizenship is there, but we're here. So we're supposed to be living a different life, a separated life. Pastor Terry, what does that look like? Hey, let me say this to you. It's not just about hairdos and hemlines. How you comb your hair and how you dress. All that legalistic, Phariseeistic garbage. It's about heart purity. How many of you know some people that dress the part and they're wicked as hell inside? Take you on a little field trip up to our nation's capital. (laughs) Never mind. Residing here in this present existence with all the rights and privileges... And then coming to the realization, that isn't what should motivate or influence us. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, our standard isn't the world. Let me say this to some of you younger people that think you've got to have every gadget that that comes. If it comes out this morning, you've got to have it this afternoon. Some kind of gadget, some kind of thing. Our standard isn't them. Our standard is Him. Are you with me? Study note number eight, beloved, our liberating document. And some of you are going to get mad at me when I say this, but you'll just have to think about it. Our liberating document isn't the United States Constitution. Our liberating document is citizens of uh, the next world, as citizens of heaven where Jesus resides. Our uh, liberating document is the Holy Word of God. That was a slow amen. Let me see see your eyeballs. The Constitution of the United States of America is in peril. It's in peril. I'm not talking about it's going to be, that your grandkids are going to have to. It is in peril. And I'll tell you why. And it looks like we would learn from Dr. Franklin These words, his words are inscribed in in our nation's capital somewhere, I'm sure. But the reason why the Constitution is in peril, listen to me. It's because our leaders are not P-R-A-Y-I-N-G praying, but rather they are P-R-E-Y-I-N-G praying. Are you with me? Not just trying to be cute. I'm trying to help you understand something. The Constitution is in peril. Guess what? This is not 
This isn't in peril. Oh, they've tried to destroy this from day one. Somebody might take this copy, God forbid, and throw it on the fire. They're not going to get rid of God's word. It is not in peril, and it never will be. God's word will prevail. What are you putting your hope in? Listen, let me wrap it. I told you I was closing a while ago, and here, here we are. That didn't take, what, three minutes? Something like that. The day is now. Somebody say now. Watch, this is something you can take home with you. you eat this for lunch. The day is now when the faith family, truly born again, spirit-filled Jesus chasers, is going to, being that is going to put you at odds with your family. Some of your family do not care at all if you are devoutly religious in some cult. Could care less. Because they don't get Holy Spirit vibes coming off of that. You'll be at odds with your neighbors. You'll be at odds with your friends. How many of you have experienced what I did as a 15-year-old? When all your buddies they used to say, Night and come on, we're going to go do this. Or as was the case most of the time, Night was saying, Hey, y'all, come on, we're going to go tear up something. And then all of a sudden, Night and's calling and nobody's answering the phone. I thought they didn't like me no more. The day is coming when you're going to be at odds with your associates people at work they'll have their little parties and their little conversations over in the corner and they kind of do this number are you ready for that you ready for that how are we going to navigate this I'm going to go into more detail next week let me give you con and I'm going to close he says Elijah's calling took place in the midst of a civilization once established for the purposes of God and once saturated with a knowledge of his ways, but it had fallen away and now its fall was deepening and accelerating, end quote. So what, if anything, are we to do about this massive falling away? I'll tell you what you could do. You could do as the many... You could do nothing. You could join the crowd, the broad way, which ends up where, church? Pastor, I don't like your take on this Christianity thing. I like that version that says you get saved and you just go on and do what you want to do. You can believe that if you want to. I'm telling you, if you're living that way, you're on the broad road and it ends up in the uh, narrow confines of hell. You don't want that. Don't join the crowd and perish. Perhaps we should do something, and that's the challenge that I'm putting before you, and I hope that you'll keep this challenge before me, that we would do something alike Elijah. We're going to find out a little bit more about what he did. You ready for that? Beloved, we're going to wrap it up tonight this way. You know, I remember well the time was when people in the church, people in the know spiritually would say the time is coming 
one of these days the time is coming. I don't know that I dreamed in my wildest imagination as a young Christian, as a teenage Christian, that I would be saying to a television audience some 40, nearly 50 years later, that time is now. The time is not coming. The time is now. When your faith is going to put you at odds with some family members, it's going to put you at odds with your neighbors, it's going to put you at odds with your country, and in many respects, it's going to put you at odds with religious organizations. Well, Pastor Terry, what do we do about that? There's only one thing to do, and this is what I want to encourage you to do. Read and study the Bible. Know the Word of God. Don't just get into the Word, but allow the Word to get into you and to renew your mind and to change the way you think. And as you've changed or allowed the Holy Spirit to change the way you think, you will begin to change or the way that you live will begin to change from the inside out. That's my encouragement and my challenge to you. And I pray, beloved, that you'll do just exactly that. In fact, let me pray for you right now. Father, I thank you for each and every one that's turned on this telecast. And I pray that each one would be challenged to read and study and embrace and digest your word toward the end of that word changing them, changing their thoughts, changing them from the inside out toward the end of them living out a lifestyle of obedience, a lifestyle of holiness, I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, before I get off of here tonight, let me just say this to you, and you may think this sounds like a broken record sometimes, but it is so, so important. And it sounds oversimplistic in some respects that we just read the Word, but we don't just read it. The Word will read you. We don't just read it. Something that is equally as important is for you, whoever you are, to engage the fellowship of the church, to sit under anointed preaching and teaching where there is conviction and a challenge to follow after the things of God, and there's no substitute for that. And I appreciate so much our television audience. I appreciate so much our live stream audience, those that may listen by way of YouTube or Facebook or whatever the case might be. But there's no substitute for in-person, live worship celebration with the body of Christ. And I encourage you to find that. It just saddens me to no end that there are church fellowships, even in our own area, who have closed their doors uh, ostensibly because of COVID. And yet many of them have found that they're not reopening and the people are not coming back. You need that church fellowship. And if you are not getting it one place, let me encourage you to look for it and to find it wherever you might find it. Uh, having said that, New Life is in, uh, engaging, hosting, uh, facilitating uh, in-person gatherings. And we have been for months now, in fact, for years now. But that begins Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities, so, so important. Midweek activities Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, something for nearly every member of the family. We have children's ministries, youth ministries, viable ministries. And when I say ministries, I'm talking about activities that embrace the Word of God and try to help folks understand that. Just discipleship one on, uh, 101. We're trying to make 
disciples. Thanks again for listening in. I'm going to have to get out of here. My time's gone. I've just talked myself right out of time. I encourage your family, your friends, your neighbors to listen in to New Life Telecast. Uh, if you get a chance, if you're listening uh, uh, online, if you could hover over that little icon and subscribe to our channel, we would appreciate that so very much. I'm Terry Knighton, pastor of New Life Community Church, reminding you, my friends, that Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?